you know, uh, let me say the area of my main heart. I was just discussing with um, Dr. Now when we're coming up. If you look at the book of Revelations, when you get to go and read it from chapter 12, verses 1 to, you know, 13. 1 to 6 spoke about the son of a woman who gave birth. And that uh, the devil went after the child, and the child was caught up to heaven. So the devil went after the mother, and the mother was given a place by God in the wilderness where she would live for a season. And the Bible said the devil went after that woman, all right, and the woman fled as she was fleeing into the wilderness, and the devil was almost catching up. It, the devil threw torrents out of his mouth to swallow the woman and the earth opens his mouth and swallows the torrent. Now, let me tell you, the woman is the church. It's consensually believed by, by all theologians. The baby is Christ himself. That the devil will go after the church of God. Let me say this here. The church of Rome was founded by Paul. Okay? But eventually, Satan adulterated the church of Rome. He went after the church. And before the church of Rome knew it, the devil introduced idols gradually until they were taken over. He mingled idol worshipping with Christianity. Because he now personified those idols, people thought they were worshipping God. And what happened with them was that they began in power, and the generations that came thereafter could not follow the precepts of those who were predecessors. They couldn't serve God like they were lazy. And so, Satan handed over to them pacifiers. Now, when that church continued to go for a while, some people just felt like Martin Luther, that what is going on here? How can we tie the, the Bible on the altar? Nobody can read the Bible. Look, Bible should be for everybody. Really, what we are doing is not in line with what is written. So, a reformation began. Now, the reformation began, and a new church was born on the premise of the Bible. But after some years, the devil went after the, the woman. And then they began to subsidize. In the days of those reformers, knowledge is what was prevailing. And they paid all price to seek God. God spoke to them. And they, they created many things. It was in the accession that God raised scientists from the church. Who established the base of science and philosophy till today. But then they would took it over. And then the, Roman, the Anglican church put out because of contention. <laughs> and then eventually they would took over the Anglican church. That now there is no sin. It's not a sin to be homosexual. Yes. And so I've discovered an Anglican priest who called himself a homosexual on the public radio before. And when I told him that you believe in the book of Genesis, he said, well... It depends on what you are talking about in Genesis. And I said, God created a male and female. He said, I don't believe that. And he said, Vicar of Anglican. Oh, we have what is going on there now. But then, you have the Baptist came up, you have the Presbyterian came up, you have everybody coming up, and then you have the Pentecostal. This is the last bus stop. <laughs> if you look at the Pentecostal, in our own times, up to the 60s, that we were privileged. The church we knew is different from what it is today. 
The church we knew was a church after the book of Acts. Believers can't behave like unbelievers. When you see a believer, we are different. Okay? We talk different, we look different, we have everything different. But I tell you this. In a short time, Satan now came after the Pentecostal and he put his hand on the throat of Pentecostal now because if I am not uh, under, if, if this will not be an understatement, over 75% of present day church leaders don't know where they're going. They don't know where they're going. Because over 75% of them do not encounter God. Even a good number of them are preaching against those who encounter God. And you don't need to. I've had a big minister say before that you don't need to go, to go to heaven before you die. And I said, what a stupid man. It's like telling somebody that, um, you know, all your life, I mean, the Western world, you don't need to go for a holiday. When you heard that they built a new city, Dubai, you heard that they built another new city, Hong Kong, and you have money, you don't need to go. Why do we go on expedition? It's to feed our eyes. If heaven is your last abode, and the people before you were taken to heaven when they were alive, what are you doing with your eyes? They come with all this preaching that you can commit sin, doesn't matter. Grace covers all things. And they live in adultery. They are pejorous. They exploit other people, take their money in the name of God, to enrich their pockets. Every manner of evil. Now we have now heard about those who are even using charms. We have heard about people who, who put a man in a, ball, in a wall in Nigeria. And somebody was passing beside the church and somebody was speaking inside the wall. And then the person now, look, somebody is here in this wall. Hit the wall and the person hit the wall. They called the police. They broke the wall down to meet a man who had been there for weeks and is now like skeleton. No food, no water. Because somebody was using that person for fetish stuff. You heard about the one who told them to be eating grass in South Africa. So you have all manners of devils in the church now. But you know something? This is the last talk. This is the reason why a reformation is about to happen. But it is a reformation in the reformation. A reformation in the Pentecostal church of people who are truly saints. And the spirit of heaven will speak into their spirits. They will live different. They will talk different. They have no regards for money or for, for fame, but they will operate in the raw power. I saw it, and I saw that the people that wage war against them are the so-called fathers now, because they discover that the glory has shifted. These are people of no name all over the nations. There are people who will move to a nation and they will not wait for anything to mop it up. They just keep going. <laughs> and people who have been locked up in lies. All those big auditoriums they are built, big conferences they call and they lie to people, they will call it and no man will be there. And I saw them sat down with their hand in their big auditorium, every human being deserted them. I will together now. And it's no more, no more anyone can say, I pastor the biggest church or the largest church. It became a curse. By he who lives forever and ever. This I say to you because we want to begin to look at the topic, how are the mighty 
falling. Second Samuel one. This I will take you about just a few minutes to stop, and then we will we'll take it over. Second Samuel uh, tomorrow. Second Samuel one. 19 to 27. It says, Your glory, O Israel, lies slain on your heights. How the mighty have fallen. Tell it not in Gath. Proclaim it not in the streets of Ashkelon. Lest the daughters of the Philistines be glad. Lest the daughters of that uncircumcised rejoice. O mountains of Gilead, Gilbert, may they, may you have neither dew nor rain, nor fields that yield offspring or grain. For there the shield of the mighty was defiled. Was defiled. The shield of Saul no longer rubbed with oil. From the blood of the slain, from the flesh of the mighty, the bow of Jonathan did not turn back. The sword of Saul did not return unsatisfied. Saul and Jonathan in life, they were loved and gracious, and in death they were not parted. They were swift, swifter than eagles. They were stronger than lions. O daughter of Israel, weep for Saul. Who clothed you in scarlet and finery? Who adorned your garments with ornament of gold? How the mighty have fallen in battle. Jonathan lies slain on your heights. I grieve for you, Jonathan, my brother. You were very dear to me. Your love for me was wonderful. More wonderful than that of a woman. How the mighty have fallen, the weapons of war perish. I used, I read this scripture first in my life in Revised Standard Version. And it says, how are the mighty fallen and the weapons of war perish? Now, because the time is short now, I will just give you this. You go and read it. And then maybe when we come in the, in the half after our break, we should deal with this and finish it. Maybe that will be the best thing. Now, let me show you this. The first character we're going to study is Saul. And you can write this. The beginning of Saul. 1 Samuel 8, 1 to 5. Under that, Israel asked for king, for a king. Then, 1 Samuel 9, 1 to 10, and underline verse 11. Saul anointed king. 1 Samuel 8, 1 to 5 is the first one. The first one, 1 Samuel 8, 1 to 5. Israel asked for king. 
The second one is First Samuel 9, 1 to 11. Are you underline 11? Saul anointed king. Then the third one under the beginning, First Samuel 13, 1. King at the age of 30. That is the beginning. Then the second part we're going to be looking at, the first major mistake of Saul. 1 Samuel 10:8. If you miss anything, just stop me. I will go through it again. The second one, that is Saul anointed king. 1 Samuel 9, 1 to 11. And you underline it, Saul anointed king, underline 11. I will print this and give them to you so that I can keep them. Then the first major mistake of Saul, 1 Samuel 10, 8. Samuel instructed Saul. Then in 1 Samuel 13, 8 to 14, Saul disobeyed Samuel's instruction. Now, the second major mistake of Saul. You got that first Samuel ten eight, Samuel instructed Saul. First Samuel thirteen, eight to fourteen, Saul disobeyed. Now the second major mistake of Saul. First Samuel fifteen, one to three. Samuel instructed Saul again. Then first Samuel fifteen seven to eleven. Saul disobeyed. Now, 1 Samuel 15, 12 to 34, the consequence of disobedience. Do you know what? I will print it for you now, once I leave here. Don't worry. It may take your time writing everything. I'll print it and they'll give it to everybody. Once I leave here and for, the, for our next le- le- session, you have it. Now, I want us to follow this. The first one I told you the beginning. In the beginning, Israel asked for king. And of course, you all should know the reason why they asked for king. Okay. Because the, the mistake of Eli was done again by Samuel. Or the demise. Not well, Samuel didn't make mistake. Eli did. But the demise of the sons of Samuel repeated on Saul because I studied it so critically and I found that Saul didn't, Samuel didn't make any mistake. Any mistake. But Eli did. Mm-hmm. So, but then the second one is that after they asked for king, Samuel anointed Saul, Saul king. So he's the kingmaker, his spiritual father. Alright. And then I told him chapter thirteen that how young Saul was. He was thirty. And the prophets appointed him king. And you see all was surrounded him when he was going to be anointed king. Very timid, very shy and all stuff like that. Now, 
The first major mistake, Samuel gave instruction to Saul. Who had been obeying Samuel all the time. But this time, Saul thought that I'm a king. I can do, I can also exercise my authority. That's the first contention against his, his oversight. Second mistake, Samuel instructed him again by God. And Saul felt, I mean, what are you talking about? I'm now a very big king, really, and very, very powerful. And so he decided to do what he thought. But in the consequence of that, in verse 17, Saul now, Samuel now told Saul the history of his life. In verse 17, he says, Although you were small in your own eyes when I came to pick you. Then he says, Verse 23 says, For rebellion is like, the, is like divination, and arrogance like idolatry. I'm going to be looking at that very strongly. And he said that, I will not go back with you. Because Samuel was asking Saul. I saw was asking Samuel to honor him before people. Because he went to do sacrifice before him. And then we'll look at all the intricacies of that. And then he says, I will not go back with you. And while holding him, he tore his garment. And then Saul says something in verse 29. The God of Israel does not change his mind. And 30 to 34, he says, repentance does not remove punishment. I repeat myself. If you deliberately sin and you ask God for mercy, He will forgive you, but He will punish you. Beginning from Moses, who haven't contravened God, begged God for mercy, and God said, Yes, I, will you, I, I have mercy on you. But for what you have done, you will not enter Canaan. God loved Moses to the extent that when Moses died, Anijah was assigned to oversee his death and ensure that he's not buried. And that angel took his body to heaven. Because Satan contended against it. That's how God loved a man. I'm sure that he didn't enter heaven dead. Because dead dead person cannot enter heaven. So something must have happened to his mortal body. Maybe they buried him somewhere, but then he was resurrected. So, but he was punished. I will show you how many ministers and Christians are punished seriously under the head of devil. When God punishes the people, it is demons that ex- execute it. I would mean that, but within the control of God. Because God cannot do evil. Then repentance does not remove punishment. Then we look at, especially when you grieve the Holy Spirit. And I wrote there, verse 35, do not grieve the Holy Spirit. Now the end of Saul. 1 Samuel 16 and 1 14, the, Lord, the Spirit of the Lord departed from him. And he became a man who went to mediums. There are many ministers who are there now in Pentecostal movement. It's demonic powers they are, they are seeking because God has departed from them. Many. 
Then we look at the death of Saul. That is what I read. How are the mighty fallen? Then another character that I wanted us to look at is Solomon. In Solomon's case, the beginning of Solomon, the Lord appeared to Solomon. First Kings 3. And the first appearance, God was so impressed by him that God said, look, I'm going to make you an epitome of wisdom that no man will be as wise as you before you and nobody will be after you. Because you did not ask for the death of your enemies. And yet, we have many ministers praying for their enemy to fall down and die today. When I was in Greece, after teaching the ministers, a minister waited. And when others have gone, he came to me and said, Apostle, he said, you said we should not pray against our enemy. He said, all my life I have prayed that my enemy should fall down and die. All my life. And he quoted from the book of Psalm. And he said, how will I not pray that? And I quoted from the gospel. Pray for your enemies. Jesus said, bless those who despitefully use you. He said, bless them and curse not. That's in the book of Romans, uh, Corinthians. Paul repeated the same thing. The Romans. And then I told him, who do you serve? Do you serve David or Jesus? So before me, he has to confess something. He said, I serve Jesus. I said, so obey him. But yet, he was still, he has to accept what I'm saying because he can't contend. But he did not receive it. It is hard for him to receive it. And I began to look at him. How Satan can program a man on earth with all assurance that he's going to hell. But in his conviction, he is servant of God. He's so convinced he's servant of God. And he's so convinced that he's doing the right thing. He's so convinced that he's doing what the Bible says. Whereas the devil gave it to him to take him to hell. Every church where they pray or prayer, none of them go to heaven. Those who have died among them are in hell. They are founders and leaders. They are waiting for hell. Some say, oh, but God can use them. Yes, God can use them. Whoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall miss it. If Jesus not say that someone will come to me and I will say to you at the end times, I know you not. And he will say, I killed the sick and in your name. I did this miracle in your name. And Jesus said, I will say, I know you know you men of evil works. It's your works. If you kill with your mouth, it is not the God of life that answers such prayer. Because some of them boasted, I pray that my mother, the mother of that person died. God never kills any sinner. For God so loved the world. That is just the fundamental of Christianity. People like that don't understand. So if they don't understand fundamental of Christianity, they are not born again at all. So we look at this guy. Then I, t- I looked at the Lord glorified Solomon. It's interesting. God empowered Solomon. The Lord appeared to him again. And the third time the Lord appeared to him. And God gave him power over all his enemies. God glorified him to the, to the place you are by idol worshippers are coming and they will bow down before him. Then the first mistake of Solomon. When he was comforted. Blessed. Every minister who preached error, they preached it after they had become mighty. All these jet buying crazy came after God had blessed them with money so much 
vision became ambition. And you know the saddest thing? The Spirit in them will still be convincing them that it is God. Certainly, that's not the Holy Spirit. I would get it now. At the end of Solomon, he died in the shrine. Before idols. God glorified him so much, anointed him so much to the place where by no other man apart from Christ, who is the wisdom himself. God gave him everything he needed for life. God gave him fame. Even in his own days, God allowed him to have so many wives. God didn't count that against him. He married until he broke the record of no human being can marry like that. <laughs> the human being, if a human being tried to marry one tenth of the women that Solomon married, he would have been dead. Are we together now? And he married to the place whereby he now began to describe that I married the tall one, I married the short one, I married the fair one, I married the black one, I married the major one. He said, after marrying the fat and the thin and the bony and the skinny, and he said, meaningless and meaningless, all is meaningless. <laughs> and yet, he died meaninglessly. Okay? So when we look at those ones, I will also just breeze over. Um, Jeroboam and Rehoboam. Because that, I won't teach it too detail, but I expect you to know the story. I'll just summarize the story and tell you what ministers can be a victim of from the life of both of them. Both of them messed up. My finger, my father's finger, my finger is thicker than my father's loins. My father chastised with whip. Why? Because it took counsel from young boys. Like many ministers do. What your friend is doing, you are doing. If you preach a message, you to preach it. Alright? And the other one, haven't God given him? Out of the twelve kingdom of Israel. Ten. Yet, he was afraid that people would go and serve God in Judah. So he now built a shrine. I mean, ministers are doing that now. Because they are afraid that members will leave them. They create idol in church. They create idol in church. Let me say this. I told you all the time. And I said this. Maybe I'm different. I always tell my church from scratch. If one day CFTG will say that, we don't want you anymore, Apostle Williams, and they voted me out. I don't have a problem. I will carry my Bible. The next door, I will start another church there. Ah, leave my house is not leave my planet. The unction that brought this is here. It didn't come by somebody's gymnastics or somebody's smart. Jesus told me one day. He said, you are the one I called. He said, listen to me. When I said I don't want to work for the Lord because I'm afraid everybody who work for him, many of them are miserable, church treat them badly, they mistreat and throw them and, and destroy their children. They don't care after you are blessed and raised their own children. They want your children to die and perish. I've seen it in very good church. The father died, they kicked the children and the wife out of the mission house. And it is the father who made all of them rich. I said, I don't want to work for you. You know what Jesus told me? He said, yours won't be like that. He said, this is it. Number one, remember where I picked you from. 
if you never puff before me. The Lord told me. He says, so don't be afraid of anything but obey me. Obey me. That's why I don't care for anything. I don't. I don't. I don't bother for anything. I have lived in nothing. I have lived in affluence. Before the Lord called me, God made sure I had money. If I knew, mommy and I, in those days, 1972, they were selling houses in Parkland at 10,000 pounds. We always have 10,000 pounds cash in our cupboard just for spending money. We would have come to Parkland and bought houses there when money was sensible. Now money had lost its sense. <laughs> money has lost its sense. And when the Lord called us, He took everything away from us. Because that had become our reliance. He made sure that we gave, we're just giving, 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 giving. We didn't look back until we discovered one day that ah, everything we have, we have given up. We don't have a dime anymore. Uh, it brought us to the place whereby we have to know what, a, a pop, a, a, what is meant to be poor. Okay? So that we, in London here, we were drinking Gary. We would put Gary into water and let it swell up before we drink it. And both of us were happy. That is the interesting thing. My wife was never angry with me. I would say, you drink. She said, no, I'm fat. You drink. You are slim. <laughs> Hallelujah. So I said, no, we share it. I'm the husband. Okay, we just share it and we sing praises together. We bless the Lord. I mean, God was looking at us now. We are praying. We are thankful to God. We are happy. Even God gave us this house. Our house was three pounds a week. And somebody was charging us 14 pounds for the house of three pounds. That 14 pounds is like, is like going through the house we needed before we found it. <laughs> Hallelujah, somebody. So we did not come to the gospel because we want to make money. If we make money, if we don't make money, it doesn't matter. And when I say make money, I mean if God blesses us. Because we don't make money. We don't make. I don't believe in launching anything of God. And you are my witnesses. Safety was not launched. I know nothing in my life. How can you launch for the one who lives forever and ever? Impossible. Impossible. So therefore, I'm saying this to you. The mighty fall because they left the almighty. That's why the mighty fall. We're going to stop here. I think we are going for our food now. And when we come back in the afternoon, I will quickly cover this. I will print this. They will make sure within the next 10 minutes it will be available for you at the, at the, yes, at the reception. You can take it in reception. So, because you have an, so, because you have an, 